the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so you may be here today, and as you examine your life, you you look in your, your corner of the world, your circle of influence, and you see all this relationship havoc, I would just challenge you, go deep in this moment where you surrendered your all, where you bent the knee, and you yielded control. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. But if you're going to look in God's word and you're going to live for the sake of his name, you're going to understand it's not about you. It's central to understanding the biblical principles of living. God created you to be a character in his story. You are not and you will never be the hero of the story. And he makes that clear from the beginning. As he created Adam and Eve, he put them there in the garden He gave them so much freedom and great opportunity. And and then he sets them loose with, with one thing he tells them not to do. But he makes clear when they do that one thing that there are consequences that not only affected them for a lifetime, they have affected all of creation. And so then he decided to put it in writing when Moses came along and when he took Moses up on that hill, he began by this reminder, the Lord your God... There's only one of us, and we want to be number one. We're jealous. Your God is a jealous God. And so then when Jesus came along, he would talk about it in terms like this. I'm the door. (laughs) I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What was he saying? He was being exclusive. And that's why in our culture, though we have to be kind about it, and though we have to show the love of Christ, we have to understand if we are going to embrace the tenets of Christianity, the tenets of Christianity proclaim that our relationship with God through Jesus is exclusive. Jesus is the only way to God because he is the the one God, and he wants it all to be about him. And and so John uses this word of diatrophies, and he says he makes himself preeminent. Is the way that's, I think in your King James, that's probably the translation. He, he, He tried to be preeminent. And yet the Bible teaches there is only one who is preeminent. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we shall give praise, and that is the name of Jesus. I want you to understand that this kind of self-centeredness and selfishness will destroy every relationship in your life. When it comes to relationships, you have a choice to make. Am I going to be selfish or am I going to be selfless? It's not unusual to hear somebody say, I I just need a little me time. I'm just focusing on myself right now or I'm sorry, but I, I'm not, hashtag not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, 
I'm going to be selfish. I, I just want to, un- I want you to hear something straight from scripture today. When it comes to relationships, you're either selfish or you're selfless. You can't be both. And when we choose selfish, we're choosing a sinful path. That's why one of those spiritual health checks is that I die to self daily. Every day, God, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for giving me life. No, I die. Diotrephes went wrong when he made it all about himself. So here's a question you can just ask. It's convicting. What do you think people think about you? Do they think you care more about you or that you care more about them? Proverbs talks about this over and over again, but in Proverbs 18, 1, it says, whoever isolates himself and seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. Don't be self-centered. Second, don't reject authority. John said, he does not acknowledge our authority. So you've got to ask, well, what does the Bible say about authority? Well, Jesus in in Matthew 28 says what? All authority is what? It's given unto me. And then the Bible goes on to say that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that what? Jesus is Lord. But we're not at that day yet. So God has given us some standards for authority. And some of us need to be reminded of this, particularly in our current political context. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. Notice what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for they would be of no advantage to you. Now, in this context, leaders taking care of the souls, who's he probably talking about? spiritual leaders, church leaders. But listen to what it says in Romans chapter 13 and verse one and two. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Hey, I want to encourage you, number one, to be a faithful and good citizen wherever you live. Part of that would be number two, to be a voting citizen. And then as a follower of Christ, number three, I would always vote with my Christian character in mind. So on this Sanctity of Life weekend, I'm just telling you, there's no way I could ever vote for someone who was openly anti-life. Someone who is not going to support the sanctity of human life. But there are many other things that are are part of my Christian character that are going to come out in my voting. I encourage you to do that. Exercise your right to vote. And, And then after the vote, there's going to be an election tally. And then after that election tally, go back to Romans and look at what it says that we just read from God's word. There's no authority except from God. So as hard as it is for us to understand in our human finite minds, our infinite God has sovereignly allowed whoever's been elected to be in that position. That doesn't mean that he agrees with everything in that person's life, but it does mean that he has allowed that authority to be there. And as followers of God and as followers of Christ, we then submit to authority. 
what I'm wanting you to hear is God makes it clear in his word that authority is a part of his process. He's the ultimate authority. That's why it says no authority exists except from him. But then we look in the beginning and he gives authority from the very beginning in the home. The man was the leader spiritually. He was the authority in the home. We see authority in the world. We just read about it. That's the context of why Jesus would say, of course, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You're under their authority. And then as we read in Hebrews, there's authority even in the church. Why is this so important? At the core of the Christian faith, what do I do when I become a follower of Jesus? What do I do? What is the core of following Jesus? I submit. I bend the knee. I say, not my way, but your way. And in our daily life, God has allowed us to be placed up under authority so that on a daily basis, at home, at church, in the world, in the community in which we live, we can recognize that it's not all about us. We are not ultimately in control. And if we can't acknowledge the authorities that God has put before us, we will certainly have difficulty yielding to his authority and control in our lives. Number three, don't gossip. I think we might need to say that one out loud. Say, don't gossip. Why would I say that? Because he said, talking about, remember the guy? This is his, his spotlight. This is his moment of fame in the Bible. What do we hear about him? He wanted his own way. He didn't yield to authority. And then he says, he's talking wicked nonsense. Do you think John made his point? Scripture is full of warning about the tongue. If you do what I've suggested and you read a proverb a day, almost every day, you'll be reminded, watch out what you say. One of my favorite is when scripture reminds us, hey, it's better to keep your mouth shut than to open it and look like a fool. But listen to what it said this morning. That's why I wanted to illustrate almost every day. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secret. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Oh, there's so much we can say about gossip. So much needs to be said among Christ's followers. So much gossip takes place, often even in the form of, hey, pray for so-and-so. You know what's going on? Know what? Well, I don't know if I should tell you, but just so you can pray. And it's true, it's not gossip. Guess what? It's gossip even if it's true. Oh, there's so much I could say. But, but take this. If they're talking to you about somebody else, rest assured, they're probably talking to somebody else about you. So watch your mouth. Don't gossip. Number four, don't be inhospitable. So he said, this guy, (laughs) Diotrephes, who is all about himself, he's he's self-centered, he's focused on himself, he won't acknowledge authority, He's, he's talking nonsense, and when these strangers that you welcomed Gaius into your house came to the church, he didn't welcome them. He wasn't nice. The positive way of saying this is be nice. 
I wonder how much more the church would grow if Christ's followers just decided to be nice. Remember what we learned last week, an open heart leads to an open home and that leads to open hands. Ask God to open your heart so that you're hospitable. You recognize the needs around you. Initiate relationships to help people. Don't push them away. Don't avoid them. We're better together. Don't isolate yourself. So how do I know if I've I've done that? Well, are you always waiting for somebody to come to you and make it right? Or do you ever initiate? Do you, do you go outside of yourself? If you're always waiting for somebody to come to you, then you've made it all about you. Number five, my favorite. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> so listen, he, he gives up five things. And really, again, I've seen this all my life. Sometimes I see it when I look in the mirror. But listen, if I, he was self-centered. He didn't submit to authority. He gossiped. He was inhospitable. But then notice his last phrase. He stopped those who wanted to come in and put them out of the church. So not only did he walk up to the people that were sitting in his seat and say, excuse me, that's my seat. He ushered them out. He was a jerk. My favorite book. And I looked for it this morning. I couldn't find it. I think somebody stole it. My favorite book I've gotten since I've been in ministry. My dad gave it to me when I was much younger. You know, he was a pastor. And uh, the title of the book was Don't Let the Jerks Get the Best of You. And, And what you realize as you go through life is some people are just jerks. I was at a basketball game. Here I go. I was at a basketball game on Friday night. Two Christian schools playing each other. The guy sitting next to me happened to be some kind of connection with the other school. And I'm just telling you, I could tell he was a military man because he cussed like a sailor. I mean, it was crazy. And, And his team lost. And so afterwards, he was really mad. And there was a parent who had been, been kind of loud and they were walking to the locker room and, and he followed him to the, <laughs> the locker room cussing this parent. And this parent was holding cupcakes <laughs> to give to his son for his birthday. And he kind of just held up the cupcakes and made a face like, what? And the guy cussed his cupcakes. <laughs> who cusses cupcakes? A jerk. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) You know what diatrophies was? It was a classic case of I'm miserable and you're going to be miserable too. So just in case you haven't heard it in the last 24 hours, let me remind you of something that's very important. And if you hang out here and I'm here for the next 20 years and you don't remember anything else, please remember this. First, remember Jesus is always the best answer. And then remember, a Christ follower never has the liberty to be unkind. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. How do you keep the jerks from getting the best of you? How do you do that? Well, John gives us a path and it's as simple as ABC. So let me just give you these first. Number one, acknowledge the problem. Did John acknowledge the problem? (laughs) We just read Diotrephes' name. 
Hey, watch out for diatrophies. He's a jerk. I'm going to deal with him when I get there. Acknowledge the problem. I wonder how much church tension would be resolved if we stopped tiptoeing around one another and stopped passing each other in the halls without talking about the issues and just acknowledge the problem. So be biblical. Be biblical. Recognize that there's a biblical pattern for acknowledging the problem. And what is that pattern? You confront the issue. I get it. Nobody likes confrontation. In fact, I would say if you like confrontation, you are sick. It's not fun. If I have to have a confrontational meeting, I get knots in my stomach. I don't like it. I I feel unhappy about it. But don't avoid it. Why? Because the Bible says it's the right thing to do. Let me just give you two examples. You've heard both of these probably. You've certainly heard one. Matthew chapter 18. There are four steps in Matthew 18 to dealing with confrontation. If your brother sins against you, number one, go and tell him. Go to the person between you and him alone. If he listens, guess what? You've gained a brother. Number two, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Number three, if he refuses to listen then, tell it to the church. And number four, if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile to you and a tax collector. By the way, did everybody get their W-2 this week? (laughs) Jesus was saying back then, just like you have a relationship out of necessity with the tax collectors that you don't like, you get to this place where you understand if you've done everything you can to be right spiritually and you are right spiritually, It's okay to break that relationship. And if there was confusion about that, Paul clarified it in Titus chapter three. Listen to verse nine. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and self-condemned. I really would challenge you in your life as you are doing this relationship inventory. If there are relationships that are not right, stop ignoring it. That's not biblical. And it's not going to get better that way and you're not going to get better. But I want to close by reminding you there were two characters in this story. Remember, there were two church members. The second one is described in verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. So you've got dysfunctional diatrophies, and you've got dear Demetrius. If you were going to be remembered for the last couple of thousand years, which name would you want to have? I'd want to be Demetrius. And Demetrius just gives us one relationship do. We have these five don'ts, but there's just one relationship do. And John gives it to us when he's talking about Demetrius. You know what he says? Do imitate good. Could just say it's always right to do right. But he said, do imitate good.
Are any of you old enough to remember the Be Like Mike commercials that were on for Gatorade? But just in case you're not, watch this. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. That's awesome. Hey, and by the way, those of you that are uh, seeking to resolve this, uh, Michael Jordan is clearly the goat. So, uh, and for those of you over 40, that's the greatest of all time. So, uh, hey, the Bible gives us a similar principle. When the apostle Paul said in his letter to Corinth, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And so John's following along those lines when he says here, do good and a way to be good is, is look to see how Demetrius is living. He is a good man like Gaius is. He had a good testimony. How's your testimony? What's your reputation? So how do we imitate good? Well, this is where it gets fun. How do we imitate good? Well, what is good? How is good defined philosophically? The Bible says in Psalms 119, 68, get this, you are good and you do good. So God is good and he does God good. God is truth and he tells the truth. So if we're gonna imitate good, we imitate God. We try to be like God. And how is God's goodness displayed? Well, it's displayed ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ as he showed us what a relationship could and should look like. And how did Jesus love? Just listen to these three things. He loved willfully. He loved sacrificially. And he loved unconditionally. He loves you willfully. He made a decision in spite of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, no matter who you are, he willfully chooses to love you. But he loves you sacrificially. He gave up. It wasn't all about him, even though it is all about him. He gave up his life so that you could know his love. And he loved you unconditionally. And we have to do the same. You want your relationships to be help, healthy? You begin to love others willfully. You make a conscious decision to wake up and love the people in your corner of the world. You love others sacrificially. You decide, I'm not going to make it all about me. I'm going to give up me today so that others may be, may be benefited. And you love others unconditionally. Years ago, I heard someone say, that they prayed to God to give them a short memory of offense. I was a young pastor. And I thought, that's a great idea. And I began to pray that. But I think I, sometimes I was confused or something because I believe God answered and just gave me a short memory. <laughs> but think about that. I, I really do. I, I have prayed that in all seriousness. And I believe God's done that. 
I don't hold offense. And I, I think that's something God's given me that helps me be more healthy relationally. What that means is never letting someone outside of your circle of love. I was talking to a young person a couple of months ago and, and they were saying, man, if, if people mess with me, I just write them off. And I stopped them. I said, oh, don't ever write anybody off. Don't have that mentality. Don't let others outside of the circle of your love. So what do you do? Let me give you some pointers real quick as I, right before I pray. Number one, if you've got a relationship challenge with a person, talk to God about your relationship challenges. Take that person to Jesus. Number two, be quick to forgive. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.